Bitch. And welcome to Studio 222 at the ABC in Ultimo for another edition of Thank God It's Friday. I'm Richard Glover and please welcome this week's gang in Adelaide. It is Alice Fraser. Hi, Alice. Hi, Richard. How are you? In Wagga Wagga it is Tommy Dean. Hi, Tommy. Yeah, Wagga Wagga Wagga. And in Sydney, Sydney, it is Patrick Sunderland. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, Richard. Now, who thought Osu? Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry to interrupt. I'm going to interrupt Tom, right Tom, away because yes, I just good. don't feel we make yep. enough of this debut. Yes, yes, yes. yes. <laughs> well, I'm sorry to... It is not my debut, Tommy Dean. It's his second debut. It's my well, second. It's my. It's my sophomore. That I wasn't there for your debut. That hurts my feelings. <laughs> but the, the important thing is that we we took we brought everything to a halt. <laughs> so well, we Pat- always want to halt. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So Patrick is a stand-up comedian, but he also helps produce the drive show. Exactly. And I feel like this is a hazing ritual that we put in place that we finally get him in the studio and then we make sure that there's no one there. To support him. Yeah, it's just me and Richard yeah, alone yeah, in a room right. together. Well, so that Alice, is... every time a question is asked, make sure you pause lengthily and wait for Patrick <laughs> to fill the silence. Okay. <laughs> but this is because Alice Fraser's new show, Twist, is on at the Adelaide Fringe tonight. Tommy Dean's show is on at the Riverina Comedy Club tonight at 7.30. And Patrick, well, he's got to stick around here afterwards to put up the podcast. <laughs> Everybody's got show business. <laughs> That's how we all get it. make our way up. Let, let us check that you're up with this week's news. Who thought, oh, super, when they are looking, when they went looking for budget savings? Now, I think we should go to our economics correspondent first up, Tommy Dean. Well, uh, this, is a, this is, of course, a matter that is deeply close to my heart because I am one of the 80,000 that are affected mm-hmm. by this blatant cash grab by an envious and greedy government. How <laughs> dare they go after us that have done so much for so long. Tell me, just, me. Just, just to help the rest of us, how did you manage to accumulate more than $3 million in your super account? The secret is to have a lot of different super accounts. <laughs> <laughs> Because every time I started a small project back when Super first started, I had about, I think I had one of every one. I had collected the entire set of Super accounts, and then I rolled them over again and again and again. Combining them and into a Super Super. A Super Super account. I, I and completely. Then a thing called Bitcoin came along. <laughs> I, I completely agree with Tommy. I mean, this is an attack on middle Australia. This is an attack on your, you know, your millionaire postman down the road. <laughs> this is an attack on the millionaire butcher that, you know, cuts your chops. This is, you know, this is an attack on the entire small town of millionaires that, you know, we're all accustomed yeah, with. That was all very amusing, except for the butcher who really is a millionaire. <laughs> don't, don't you know? What they put in the sausages, <laughs> uh, Alice. What do you think about this uh, three three million? You've got a three million. They're going to tax you more. Well, look, I feel like it is quite hard to feel sorry for these people unless you are one of these people. You know, it's hard to feel sorry for people who have more than three million dollars in their super fund, but. I don't think we're looking at it in the right way. What about trickle-down economics? Think of the impact that this is going to have on the retirement yacht industry. Mm-hmm. What about the market for muscular, sensual, but repressed butlers? Like, 
what is going to happen to the champagne industry? Like, these are all questions that we need to be asking ourselves. Anybody whose job is arse-licking, obsequiousness, <laughs> general pandering, um, sort of massaging the books, uh, mafia dons, all these people are just going to be deeply impacted by these taxes. And, and trickle-down economics, it really works, doesn't it? So if, if, uh, if a millionaire buys a new fridge, a homeless person gets to sleep in the box. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was the knock-on effect. Tax, one of the you know, great concepts of American economic dreaming is that the reason, and I feel this is what the government is using against us, the reason that we should be mad that the government is about to tax millionaires is because any minute now I may be a millionaire mm. and then those taxes will affect me. Yeah. So I need to be upset now so that I'm ready for it. When I achieve millionaire, that's right. They're taxing aspiration, aren't they, Tommy? Alice, killing the dream. Alice. Yeah, I feel like I, I would be more mad about this if uh, if I didn't have to apologise because you might hear toddler noises in the background because it turns out <laughs> I can't afford both a hotel room and a babysitter. <laughs> so uh, join my Patreon, but also like I just think this is the perfect people to tax. Mm. I, I saw a cartoon in the newspaper this morning that had um, uh, uh, Albanese and uh, Chalmers as highwaymen robbing a carriage of powder-faced, wig-wearing <laughs> aristocrats, and this is the people that we're meant to be thinking are the middle Australians. It is, it's a mistake of a political cartoon because people love highwaymen. Highwaymen are awesome. A friend of mine pointed out it's a step away from just depicting him as Robin Hood, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Whose side are we meant to be taking here? Thank God. Us to feel uh, against this. They shouldn't have told us about Ned Kelly so many times. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, Alice Fraser, Patrick Sunderland and Tommy Dean are with us. Uh, this week's news, who got a loss in the post? Who got a loss in the post? Well, uh, in, a, in a move of cruel, cruel irony, it was, in fact, the post office. Apparently, they are making a ridiculously massive loss yearly now uh, just by delivering letters. So they're looking at ways they can mm-hmm. cut costs, stop delivering letters, you know, daily, things like that. I've got the perfect solution, which is bring back the messenger pigeon. You oh, know? OK, yeah, yeah. That's, that's, first off, massive, way easier to pay a pigeon than pay a, a, a postman. And every well, letter... Well, they, they, they eat chicken feed. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you pay them with peanuts. And uh, every letter delivered comes with a free, delicious pigeon dinner. So, yeah. I, I, you know, for me, it makes perfect sense. They, they say it's not their fault. You know, the average household used to get about nine letters a week. It now gets 2.4 letters. They say that just is not economical. Alice? Well, I think the solution is a, a letter-writing initiative. I think the government needs to sort of encourage the working man to start scribing haikus to their beloved. <laughs> we all know that social media is toxic. Let's just get retrograde and start sending each other just just anything in the post. A button, a thought, a leaf that we found. Yeah. If, if every citizen could just pen a love letter today to their loved one. <laughs> Or at least yeah, I mean, this is the kind of thing the government is for. Remember in the UK during the pandemic, they had uh, Eat Out to Help Out as an initiative <laughs> to get people to go to restaurants. Rhyme out to, uh, to charm out. Tommy, <laughs> is that the solution? Well, I think they, it's difficult. I think they've probably underpriced it from the beginning. I don't know, and this is part of the problem, what the current cost of a standard letter stamp is. I'm assuming it's in the 45 cents. I think it's a dollar now. It was a dollar. What? It's a dollar and a dollar <laughs> twenty a dollar twenty soon. There's no no wonder people quit writing letters. <laughs> well, Last time I wrote a letter it was like twenty four US cents. 
that's the bad kind of highway robbery, am I right? <laughs> crazy. Mind you, yeah, twenty four. That was the problem. I, they always think it didn't ever add up. I mean, if I, even for a dollar, what for a dollar? You'll take a letter from my house and then deliver it anywhere in the country. And then they made it even harder on themselves. Remember when they would just, like, try to find people for you? Yeah, I got a letter, mate. Uh, here's five pence. Uh, Clancy of the Overflow. <laughs> but just I, somewhere down there. If you yeah. can find him for me, But it's tough, great. right, because they, they've suggested raising the price of the stamps to try and make some of their money back, but that cost just gets pushed on to stamp collectors. And haven't these people <laughs> suffered enough? They're already the biggest nerds that you can find in modern society. Now they're going to be poor nerds. I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's inhumane. Have a thought for them. Have a thought for them. But isn't, isn't there that moment of life when you go out and, you know, the expectation, the, the post the postman's about to arrive and you go out and you, you get your little love letter or maybe a wedding invitation with a little gilt around the edge and you put it on the, on the, on the mantel. But these are, these are some of the great moments of life, aren't they? <laughs> Well, the, ant- in, the anticipation surely is even better when the postman only arrives every nine months yeah. to just come round and drop whatever's been sent. Mm. And what's in the point four of a letter? That's what I want. <laughs> is it a love letter where they're a bit uncommitted? <laughs> but it's a quarterly. I think you just need more quarterly. I think we've you know, concentrated all the card writing at the end of the year. They've they got to come up with like just we need four quarters of letter writing possibilities. Mm-hmm. Okay. They should I mean, combine, you know, get Hallmark on what the phone. What we need is cliffhanger Hallmark cards. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like I wish you will, or do I? In the yeah. way that you know, Netflix does, they always leave you hanging at the end of the episode, so you have to get another one. Yeah, you try That's to open it. Do. You try to open it, but there's just no back to the card, so it just has the, <laughs> the setup on the front. That's right. We should all write episodic postcards. <laughs> My new one's dropping every Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. Sorry, yeah, I'm getting, I'm getting a bit upset. Didn't get a letter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was, yeah, that was Patrick, not Alice's uh, job. Uh, Alice Fraser, Patrick Sunderland and Tommy Dean are with us. Who, ha- who now has to duck an attack from the Donald? Who has to duck an attack from the Donald? Tommy. Well, this is, uh, this is curious. I found this a curious turn in the world of lies. Uh, this, of course, is Robert Murdoch. Uh, Rupert, Rupert Murdoch. Rupert. Rupert Murdoch. Uh, Robert is what I call him. We've been friends for ever since I joined the Millionaires Club. You know, we all use different names when we're in the uh, special rooms. That special 80,000. Yeah. Yeah. We don't, you know, you can't use your common name. Yeah. Um, No, I knew you'd name change once you got three million in soup. I thought it was something ruder. Oh, yeah. I'm Sir Tomas. That's what they uh, call me out the back. Uh, But Rupert Murdoch. He's basically admitted, he said, you know, all those guys on Fox Studios, you know, we never really thought that the election in America was fraudulent. Uh, Even though Donald Trump was saying that, you know, they had stolen the election. We never really believed it. Uh, We just thought it was fun to say it. Yeah, I, uh, Donald Trump uh, used the phrase, uh, why is Rupert Murdoch throwing his anchors under the table? Which people think that's referring to the anchors on the Fox News programs. But it's actually an old nautical saying that, uh, you know, <laughs> sort of like don't put your eggs all in one basket. Um, I, I think he should Isn't be... Isn't the anchors on the ship they have in succession? Yeah, yeah exactly, yeah. I mean, I, I think that he should just be grateful that they went along with it for as long as they did. It was so obviously a lie that he should have just been like... Oh man, this I can't believe it. They're going along with it. Alice, did, what did you make of it? I think, you know, Murdoch bringeth and Murdoch taketh away, and then also t- Trump giveth and Trump <laughs> retracteth. They're, these are two kingmakers. These are two men who are used to like making and breaking people with their word. I wonder what happens when two kingmakers clash. 
please let the answer be that they cancel each other out and then the <laughs> one that wins wades off into the ocean like Godzilla v Mothra. I hope that that's what happens. I think that will happen. Tommy, do you think uh, you know Trump has finally run, run out of friends here? Uh, you know, Murdoch was the guy who helped make it happen first time round. Yeah, I like to believe that once Fox says goodbye, then that was his last big voice. A couple of small-ish, sort of even writer than Fox, you know, like America Online. Uh, it was Online America, America's... There was like a couple... A-O, A-L-O. Anyway, there's a couple of like really right-wing news organizations, and I use that term very loosely, uh, stepped into the void to be even more right-wing and Trump-centric. <laughs> and so they they're saying you know, we're, they're not surviving. we're sick of those lily-livered lefties on Fox News. Yeah, I just think that once Fox says, okay, that was fun for a while, but we're done, I like to think he's done. There's got to be, surely, if your last patron saint of lies is now going, yeah, whatever. <laughs> but what's even weirder to me is that we're going to be all like, is most of America will now think that Rupert Murdoch is lying. <laughs> oh, be like, that would what? never happen. Yeah. That, that's, that's not true. Fox told me that he was, wait, now Fox telling me. I, once Fox changes it, all of America's head's about to explode. Yeah. <laughs> if Fox can't keep a constant narrative, they're in big trouble. I mean, I, I also would like to think that this could be the end of Trump, but he's sort of the, you know, black knight from Monty Python of politicians. You, you think <laughs> yeah. moment after moment happens and you think he's been knocked out and then you hear that he started calling Ron DeSantis meatball Ron and you're like, no, he's still got it. He's still, he's still got that something that just keeps getting people calling for him back. He's still got it. Thank God it's Friday with Richard Glover. Thank God it's Friday. We have Alice Fraser. She's in Adelaide to do her new show, Twist. It's on the LA fringe at the moment, but it will be coming to the Sydney Comedy Festival a little later. Patrick Sunderland is with me in the Sydney studio. He's got a new podcast out called Block Blunders. Have a look for that wherever you get your good podcasts. And Tommy Dean, if you're in the Riverina area, if you're near Wagga, go and see him tonight. He's on at 7.30 at the Riverina Comedy Club and our mate Dane will be there. Dane Simpson will be there as MC as well. Now, let me ask you, since taxing people with more than $3 million in super didn't seem to go down too well with those with more than $3 million in super. Are there any other methods you can devise to tax people who have more money than most, to tax them in, in a way that they might not feel the pain so much? Alice Fraser. Well, I feel like what we uh, need to do is just make luxury goods more expensive. Like yeah. your Gwyneth Paltrow goop things that are already, you know, four or five or six times as much as they ought to be. Just make, just like times that by another hundred, you know? Like every bow tie should cost eight hundred dollars. <laughs> so a goop Dijon a, mustard should yeah. be forty dollars. A you goop know? a goop tax. Yeah, a goop tax. Just the, all of the things that nobody buys unless they're looking for things to buy because they have too much money should be way more expensive. Are we really going to deprive our hard working working class Australians of their goop? Aren't they entitled to as much goop as anyone else? Just, I mean, um, Patrick, I'm... I think we need to subscribe to the, you know, because goop truly does trickle down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I went to goop in Los Angeles and they had a stick there, a Tibetan stick, and it was described as a Tibetan stick and it was 120 American dollars and I just yeah. thought... Well, they have to ship it over from Tibet. Stick. I mean, you know, that's... <laughs> no, but the thing about rich goods is if that costs... If the Tibetan stick was $1,200 mm. with the rest going to the Treasury, people would actually like it more. Yeah. They, they, the more expensive it is, the, the more they like it, right? Mm. Tommy? No, I agree. That's why I mean, get more stupid stuff. I don't. The problem I think is that rich people really hate the word tax. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
But I think we just change it, you know, some sort of like elitist fee. Just put it in there where it just makes them feel good about themselves. You know, just some sort of extra little bit of, you know, every time you deposit something, just take a little bit out. You know, they're like, hey, I need to, uh, I got all this change I've built up, which is, what, $8 million. And then they'll be like, oh, you know, there's a $1 million change the change fee for elitist. You're like, hell yeah, I'm elite. Hmm. Have it. Top the top drawer tax. Yeah, top drawer hey, tax. Excuse, just don't call it tax. Just yeah, call it so, fun fee. Excuse me, sir. Are you top drawer? Actually, as a matter of fact, I am. Well, in that, yes, you in that case, uh, I'm going to add a top drawer fee. Well, of course oh. you would. I would be yeah. offended if you didn't. <laughs> Alice? Yeah, a designer excise is what you should call that's it. A, that's the word I wanted, excise. That's a good one. Get him with that one. I see your leotards are showing where your wallet should go. Let me hold on to it for a moment. <laughs> Patrick, how are we going to make a, a, a tax that will get this money without people being so upset about it? Well, I think the reason is, is that, you know, people, uh, yeah, the perception is is that the government is, is stealing your hard-earned money, you know? That's, that's what people are saying when they complain about it. So I think we just drop the pretense. I think each financial year... The government should get the person with the most money, the Australian citizen that just has the most money, and they should mount a Ocean's Eleven-style heist to get that money. And I think- So Twiggy Forrest is sitting there at home. He's, yeah. I think, the richest at the moment. Yeah. So he's just sitting at home there in, in Perth, and, yeah, yeah. and suddenly, in through the skylight... He drops Jim Chalmers, the, the, uh, the contortionist. <laughs> and then, you know, the Albanese, who, of course, is the demolitions expert, blows a wall through the yeah, safe, yeah, you know, yeah. and if the government <laughs> successfully pull off the heist, they get to use that money for whatever program they want. And yeah. if they don't... They don't. But hang on, they then pin it on Dutton, right? Exactly. And he, he gets exactly. Arrested. Yeah. These are but why don't they trick them, you know? In this, I'm sorry, <laughs> trick them. You know, like in this moment where we're trying to downgrade political contributions, you know, maybe go the other way. Just say, you know what? Let's open it up. You guys can give us as much money as you want. <laughs> and then just, and then they're like super PACs. I don't know what the Australian version of super PACs are, but you know, the same idea. Just rich people be like, yeah, you know what? We will control the government with our outsized money. And just give the, here you go, government. Have a billion dollars. The government, you're like, duh, psych. <laughs> yeah, I've always thought that, uh, you know, I, if I were to be a politician, I wouldn't be corrupt. I'd take everyone's money, but I'd just do what I was going to do in the first place. You know, that's yeah, the key yeah, yeah. To, to, you know, maintaining Because they're good at breaking promises, right? <laughs> exactly. You Very promise good. people whatever you want and then just keep the money in pocket. I forget her name, but who was the woman recently that was, uh, you know, the, the, the hypocrisy, quote unquote, was called in because she was taking money from oh, yeah. sports Ma- bets? It was Michelle Rowland, the communications oh, yeah. minister. And she was saying, no, I'm going to uh, use effect- the... Effectively <laughs> my boss. Thanks for bringing it up. Right, I'm going to use that money the gambling industry gave me and use it to, you know, shut down the gambling industry, What, which is what they want, I think. <laughs> I think that's right. Uh, we have Tommy Dean, we have Alice Fraser, and we have Patrick Sunderland with us on Drive. And to, Tommy, it is now time for the Wheel of Death. Are you ready for the Wheel of Death? Is it, is it awkward? Yeah. People don't know this, but we're all on Zoom because of our various <laughs> yes. places. And yeah. my Zoom computer just ran out of power. It feels so thematic. Yeah. And somehow that's knocked out everybody else. I don't know why, <laughs> but it has. So no one can see anybody else, but this is audio, so it's fine. It's fine. Today's, totally fine. Today's topics are seagulls, doormats, flange, magpies, Blinkers, collectors, yogi bear, bow ties. Oh, they've got a second mention. Cockroaches, tweezers, fish fingers, bait, frugal, and dad's shed. Which one fills you full of fear? Is it Tommy weird? Dean? Is it my, my, my wrong? But it feels like every one of those is a sexual euphemism. Well, there used to be a character called Flange Desire yep. on, on Auntie Jack, I remember, years ago. Yep. <laughs> Just keep oh, that in time. mind. Here we go. Round and round and round it goes. 
where it stops, nobody knows. Today's topic for Tommy Dean is fish fingers. Fish fingers. Tommy you know what's Dean. weird is I feel now suddenly, like I've never felt in the 10 years we've been doing this, just like one of the listeners, I don't believe that that's what spun. Patrick, you're here. <laughs> I, I'm uh, I'd just like oh. to confirm that Richard Glover is a filthy liar. Uh, <laughs> Emerus, so Emerus, you're, Emerus, you're the tr- technical director. You're a, a good, uh, honest person. Can you confirm that the fish fingers is indeed the topic that's come out? Yeah. Fish fingers is indeed the yeah, topic. Yeah, thank you very uh, much. Well, that's what they say, but I just happen life. to be privy. I am happy to be privy. I happen. I happen to be privy to the email chain in which I see that McCain fish fingers have made a sizable donation. <laughs> to Michelle Rowland. <laughs> To this show, yeah. and now suddenly, oh, convenient, we're talking about fish fingers, yeah, yeah. which is one of the great foodie lies of all time. We're all fully aware that there are no flanges, which is what flanges are. <laughs> there are no flanges on the fish. There's I don't no believe way. that. I don't believe that for a second. I think that just all the hand fish have been scooped up by the fish fingers companies, <laughs> and that's why you never see them in the wild anymore. Yeah. Oh, the opposite. Now that you think about it, that's a good point. That's mm. the conspiracy. They are, we are catching all of the evolving fish just before they pull themselves <laughs> up. <laughs> They're crawling up onto land straight into a net. It's this yep. exact same thing that's happening with all the buffaloes that have wings. You know, they just get, <laughs> they just get caught by the big nets and, you know, we never get to see them. And, and I could tell you, you can prove that theory because human, when did human evolution occur? When did, when did we first come on land? It was before the McCain's company existed. That's that's what they you know that's what they say. If you look and and that you know may may not believe that listening at home, but Google it and you'll find the McCain company was not founded in like eighty thousand billion <laughs> BC or whatever it was. Now, Tommy, well, is, is it true or is it? Did we have terrible admin at the time. Oh, that's true. We weren't keeping records. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, no. now Tommy, we're going to stop interrupting you from Sydney. You're on the oh, no, in the wall. No, uh, fish fingers, I think, are one of the great. Uh, we call them in America fish sticks. They are the sticks of fish. Uh, so I was actually quite delighted to arrive here and find Fish Fingers. Uh, it was one of the classic. There is, I think, one of the few sort of, you know, harbingers, 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 mm-hmm. har- we'll, we'll accept them all. Indicators of uh, your father's current job fortunes. <laughs> <laughs> like uh, one of the great signs that you knew dad was maybe between gigs was uh, pancakes for dinner. We're having pancakes and eggs for dinner, kids. It's breakfast for dinner. Isn't that great? <laughs> like, oh, no, Dad got fired again. <laughs> but you knew we were, you know, on the way to improvement when, uh, is it pancakes again for dinner, Mom? No, we're having fish fingers. <laughs> what? Ill-named, unpresented squares? Uh, we loved it. We uh, Fish fingers. Here's, this is actually unbelievably true. My children loved fish fingers. And we used to feature an evening every week uh, called, I called it Brown Tray Night. (laughs) (laughs) Because we would have party pies and fish fingers. Now, here is the diabolical problem of Brown Tray Night is that party pies bake at like 180 degrees Celsius and fish fingers demand a more heated two. Hundred. Wow. Okay. Uh, so you can compromise if you have a single oven. You can compromise somewhere in the middle, but then you get slightly burnt pies and slightly <laughs> undercooked fish fingers. The worst of both uh, worlds. Uh. But we, in a moment of largesse, when we renovated our kitchen years ago, I demanded a double oven. So I have the classic double oven setup in my house for the exact reason of that. So we could have brown tray night 
perfectly roasted and timed to come out together. Wow, that is the definition of yuppie Alice Fraser. What do you think? Yeah, that is the most culinary thought that has ever gone into fish fingers and party pies. My dad's thing uh, was whenever mum was sick, we would get um, tuna surprise, which was a one can of beans, a one can of tuna, and the surprise was some cheese on top. <laughs> <laughs> There'd be some wallpaper paste involved in that somewhere, though, wouldn't there? <laughs> He'd cook it in the wok for some reason. I think he thought that was classy. Yeah. It's a sort of fil- the sort of meal you've got to get down real fast or it'll set. <laughs> <laughs> well, my dad, you know, but he said that everything is saved by a sauce. So he would make uh, what we, you know, cocktail sauce, uh, which to the American palate is basically tomato ketchup and horseradish mixed together, um, which I am not downgrading, by the way. That is an amazing flavor. Mix about uh, 60-40 tomato ketchup to horseradish paste, and that is a perfect seafood sauce. And he, you know, he'd dip his fish finger into that and eat it. Woo! Can't tell the difference. Might be lobster, <laughs> might be a fish finger. If you have the right sauce, you just don't know. Because if you subjected a lobster to that sauce, it wouldn't taste like lobster. It would taste like fish fingers with a hot sauce on it. <laughs> That's, right. That's all you need, Tommy. You got the right sauce, you're fine. It's an ironic name, really, because I've tried it in a cocktail and it tastes absolutely terrible. Terrible. <laughs> so how did you know? You talked about your father's economic prospects and the, the slow climbing out of unemployment. How did you know that good times had arrived back in, entirely? Oh, we knew then uh, because we'd have French toast for breakfast. Ooh, very the fancy, fancy French toast would replace the pancakes. And for dinner, we would actually have uh, meat. <laughs> that we could identify. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's horse meat. I know horse meat when I see it, and that is 100% horse meat. I, I'm surprised. I thought fish fingers was going to be the max out. I thought once your dad got more money, it would just be double the amount of fish fingers, you know? Oh, yeah, that's right. Then we would put it on brioche rolls. <laughs> <laughs> but just to finish, do you think if we stopped capturing the fish fingers and let the fish evolve, do you think they would take over the world? <laughs> oh, with no doubt, with no doubt. Mostly uh, because we just couldn't stand to have them in the heat. In the heat, they would go off. <laughs> is it possible to tell which of the fingers is the opposable thumb? Uh, that's the one. That's the one that you know, little like the right at the end. That's the it, it holds the most sauce. That's the one you want. <laughs> does he die or does he live? He lives. He lives. Of course he, he lives. lives with the topic of fish fingers. We have Tommy Dean from Wagga. We have Alice Fraser from Adelaide. We have Patrick oh, oh, sorry. Sunderland in Sydney. Sorry, Tommy. No, no, I, was just, I, I should have said it, of course, during the time of discussion. Uh, but it just occurred to me that sometimes my mom, when she was feeling fancy, would get frozen fish planks. So they planks? actually looked a bit like, you know, like, 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 like what fish looks like at a fish and chip shop. You know, uh, that sort of mm-hmm. planked fillet, fillet of fish. But still breaded and frozen. It was basically just an oversized fish finger. <laughs> <laughs> but fish then thumb, she would yeah. cut it. She would cut it across the grain lengthwise. So basically, she you know went fancy with the plank of fish and then cut it into fish fingers. Into fish fingers. <laughs> there you go. Budget fish fingers is if they weren't budget uh, enough at the time. Now on drive, we've been talking about the secret test. Uh, okay, it's a bit passive aggressive, but this is where you hang five to see how long it will take someone in your life to do something. So you leave the ever-growing washing pile on the couch to see how long it will take for others to actually do their bit, or you, uh, you, 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 um, you count the questions you ask somebody about themselves at a dinner party before they ask you one back about yourself, or, or you stop contact 
contacting your friend to see how long it will go before they take the initiative and invite you to the barbecue or whatever. So what's the secret test you've done or would like to do? Alice Fraser. Well, for many years, my approach to my career was never advertise and um, just see who would show up to my shows out of force of gravitational pull or something. I had this odd idea that advertising was selling out, which, I mean, you will never sell out if you don't sell out. So <laughs> so your secret test was to see if people were sufficiently fans to know you were on, even though you hadn't <laughs> told them. Exactly. Uh, it, it was not a good test. Uh, what I learned is most people aren't psychic. <laughs> no, well, most secret tests end in failure is what we've learned talking about it this week on the radio. <laughs> Patrick, what's your secret test? Well, I, I'm so glad you've been discussing this because I have been putting this in practice in my own home. I have left a massive pile of laundry, a massive pile of dirty dishes, and, you know, my housemate has not lifted a finger <laughs> to do anything about it. And, you know, I, I've, he hasn't mentioned my new haircut at all. All he said is, please, for the love of God, put a load of laundry in, you know, wash at least one dish. So I, I completely agree that just it goes to show who your true friends are. I think you're the subject of the secret test rather than the <laughs> doer of the secret. Alice? Well, you know, sometimes I do the same thing. I will, I will leave the, the laundry undone, I'll leave the dishes out, and I just, I just want to wait and see how long it will take me to do it. Yeah. <laughs> or the baby, you know, maybe if you wait for the baby to grow up, if you do the secret test for maybe 16, 17 years... It might get a good result. Tommy Dean, what's your secret um, test? Yeah, I, I like the idea of, earlier this is a detailed joke, but I love uh, the idea of, you know, a bit passive-aggressive. I like the idea of really stratifying that idea. This is more of a passive-passive-aggressive, hmm. sort of an aggressive-passive-aggressive. <laughs> uh, what level of passive-aggressive are we playing at? How much passive? Um, how much aggressive? How much passive? Uh, like, for, you know, I've been probably for the last 15 years running a little test on this show to see if anybody notices that I never read the questions. <laughs> <laughs> I've noticed. Yeah. I, I noticed particularly, actually, when we, when, we do, when we do the live shows with the audience, because I'm often standing and you guys are sitting, right? And so I'll ask you to write a haiku or something like that. And I, I can see when people are reading from their piece of paper that they put all this effort in. And then I see from your piece of paper that you're pretending to read a haiku that you've previously written, yeah. but the paper is blank. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I, I, I think I'm just more environmentally aware. Yeah. He's just written on the paper, is it brown tray night tonight? <laughs> yeah. Maybe after the show? <laughs> is it fun? Uh, I do like the, but the test at home, it's hard. Not, I mean, I, I grew up in uh, shared houses and that is the greatest war. The greatest war is the dishes. I don't know why it continues to this day. Um, I, I still just leave one out every night to see if the kids will put that one away. Has it ever happened? No. No. <laughs> no. It never happens. It is greatly disappointing. We have an upstairs. We're upstairs, downstairs. And our upstairs toilet uh, has a rack that holds three rolls of toilet paper. And every day it gets down. You start seeing that last roll spinning out. Nothing's in the hopper. There's no replacement. And you just, you just wonder, which one's going to get caught? Which one's going to get caught? <laughs> it adds a certain, uh, you know, excitement to life. I agree. And what they don't know is that I've secretly installed a Singapore uh, backdoor hose for myself <laughs> <laughs> so that I will never get caught. <laughs> when we were talking about this earlier in the week, a lady said that she during, uh, during COVID, she was the only person in the family who was going out to work. Everyone else was at home. So she thought, I'm sick of shopping. I'm going to stop shopping. And she told everyone she was going to stop shopping. So the toilet paper situation got worse and worse and worse until there was no toilet paper at all. So at that point, she did write a note on the kitchen 
bench and said, I'm going to work. Can someone, can someone solve the toilet paper problem? When she came back, there was indeed some paper next to the toilet. It was her lovely uh, paper napkins that she keeps for special <laughs> occasions that someone had thought to move from the dining table into the loo. And that was it. That was it. <laughs> Yeah, we used to do it was fancy time at my grandmother's house when she hung out the uh, proper catalog. When the big catalog came out, <laughs> I was excited. Good news. It's the shiny paper. Shiny paper. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Patrick, you, 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 you've got experience of, of living in these group houses. Yeah, look, it, it's it's a dire situation. It really is a, a mutually assured destruction. You just can't. It's or, or a game of horrible. The worst chicken that you could ever play in your life is that is that game of waiting to see the uh, toilet paper tip down or and, the or the or the washing in the in the sink. Oh well, that we don't even. That we that's a lost cause. We already know something's growing in there. At that point, it's more home to that creature in there than than we could ever wash. Okay, more know. science experiment than anything else, Alice. When I was in university, uh, like second year university, I had a friend who got into a fist fight about taking the rubbish out uh, because they had like a rotor and one of the guys would never take the rubbish out and then it started piling up in the kitchen and they were all just too stubborn to take it out when it wasn't his turn. And so then they they made an agreement to do it on Saturday and he said he was going to go surfing and it was three guys living in a house together. So you can imagine the like waist high (laughs) dripping garbage bags in the kitchen that led them to think that they actually had to do something about it. And they ended up having a genuine fist fight in the rubbish bags about this. So that's the more you're aggressive-aggressive than you're passive-aggressive, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think when they're in the share house, when it gets to the stage where no one can tell what the floor covering is, whether it's vinyl or wood or carpet, that's when you know it's too messy. It is certainly too messy, and that's the problem with children as well. They just seem to adjust very quickly to filth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, they, you know, they're growing up, they're still learning how things are, and they just go, yeah, yeah, I guess I shouldn't be able to fully bring my foot off the floor without it <laughs> making a very sticky noise. <laughs> Tommy Dean, Pat Sunderland, uh, Sunderland and Alice Fraser are here. Now, the pop star Harry Styles was encouraged, well, forced really by his audience, to do an, a traditional Australian shoey. And, and drink from his shoe, which I think is so weird and disgusting. I think he did too. I think we're better than that. If we wanted to force visiting celebrities to do something Australian while on stage, what are some of the things we should consider rather than just making them drink from their own shoe? Patrick? I, I'm, I'm glad we're talking about this issue. I, the shoey problem has gotten so out of hand. I was at my uh, nephew's birthday party, six years old, and they uh, made the clown drink a shoey. You know, and he, <laughs> it's a he, lot, of, lot he, of booze. He had to go to hospital. He had alcohol poisoning. You know? it, it was an absolute nightmare. No, I, you know, I don't know. I think we need to rethink. You know, our Australia. I think our idea of what's Australian is very outdated. I think if Harry wants to fit in, then he should get on stage and write an op-ed about how pub- private school fees are going far too wild, or something like that. Yeah, do something really Australian, Alice. <laughs> Well, I mean, as long as we're not asking them how they like Vegemite, because that, for me, is the most pathetic grovelling display of cultural insecurity, to take this, like, objectively disgusting thing and go, but do you like it? Do you like it? Like, it's just so, it's so cringy. It's the thing... Yeah, something that until about two minutes ago was owned by the Americans, right? (laughs) (laughs) Tommy Dean, what Australian traditions can we replace uh, and ask celebrities? Give me a second, I have to uh, rework this. 
Vegemite <laughs> thing that I was going to say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, the Vegemite thing, yeah. yeah. She was so judgmental. I know. Yeah. <laughs> well, then they're always like, if they go, oh, no, I don't really like it, then they're like, how are you eating it? Are you eat-? like, The thing to do with the Vegemite is you have to scrape it really thin. Ideally, you don't put it in your mouth at all, and then it's really good. Like it's, yeah. Yeah. Homeo- homeopathic quantities are the best thing, right? <laughs> <laughs> but I think, you know, the one that I met the most, and I think this is still oddly relevant today, is uh, you ask your visiting guest to eat a meat pie, and then... Don't tell them if it's going to be one of the two temperatures, too hot or too cold. <laughs> and they just have to react instantly to whichever which one they met. Yeah. And you've got to decide before you eat it whether you're going to turn it upside down or eat it right way up, not knowing whether the bottom's going to fall out or the top's going to fall <laughs> off. That's no, so good because regardless, when you take a bite of a wrong temperature product, be it too hot or too cold, while it feels like it's instinctive to just quickly spit it out, your actual reaction will be to just move it around your mouth quickly. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's and, and if you're doing that to a singer, I think that could elicit some really incredible vocal work as well. You know, can you imagine Harry Styles trying to sing as it was while nursing a mouthful of hot mincemeat? Yeah. And apparently, that's what you know actually defined the sound of Tone Loke. He accidentally <laughs> drank a hot tea. Yep. Fourth degree burns, the only way you can sound good. Alice Fraser, Patrick Sunderland, Tommy Dean are with us for Thank God It's Friday. Just finally, who were the winners and losers of this week? Tommy Dean. Winners, clearly Wagga Wagga, not just myself at the Tilly's Club at the River Arena Comedy Club tonight, but also Dane is at the Multicultural Comedy Festival, which is taking place this evening as well. Wagga is the epicenter of hilarity in New South Wales this evening, so get along to that if you're in Wagga. Uh, the losers, and I didn't even know this was a thing, apparently Pablo Escobar, back in the 80s, brought a bunch of hippopotamuses to Colombia. Yep. And now they have bred out, and there's now over 130 of them running around and causing economic nightmares in the area. So they are trying to figure out how to get rid of the hippopotamuses in Colombia. Uh, using humane factors. But it just makes me wonder if we had not gotten rid of Pablo Escobar, was that his big plan? Was that his next move for importing cocaine into America? (laughs) Well, he was the one keeping the hippopotamus population under control. We didn't know how good we had it until he was gone. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Who were the winners and losers? Patrick. Well, first off, a shameless plug. The winner is anyone who downloads Block Blunders on your podcast app with uh, Mm -hmm. me and Barry Walsh. But no, I think the real uh, winner of the week is uh, the Romanian Prime Minister because he has announced this week that he has gotten the first in the world AI advisor. He's got a government advisor that is an AI program. It is, uh, you, uh, you know, completely computer generated and it is giving him advice onto his, uh, you know, policies and things like that. I think the loser of the week are the people of <laughs> Romania because I tell you, if, if you, if these AIs work off just picking off stuff from the internet and media and stuff yeah, like yeah. that, advisors have never been mentioned in a way that is positive. They're always evil and conniving, you know. It's, it's never a good word. It's like vizier. It is just, there's a lot of baggage. There. Okay, have you told everyone about your drive producer's experience when you had to write a script for me and I said, let's, okay, and you were busy <laughs> writing a script and it was a script about people using the cafe to do their office work and whether that annoyed the, you know, the, the proprietors or not. Mm. And you were doing a lovely script for me and I said, <laughs> let's see if chat, chat GBT can do it better. Yeah. And, and it was faster. <laughs> well, it was doing pretty well. It, it had an edge. But then, you, you know, you pour a coffee into me and I work faster. <laughs> but if you pour, pour a coffee onto the computer, it just starts fizzing and it didn't well, finish. You, you, you did win in the end, but you had to destroy my computer. To <laughs> it do was so. a close call. Uh, Alice Fraser, who were the winners and losers of this week? 
Uh, well, the winner of, of this week is is me because I uh, was called in at the last minute to do this. Thank God it's Friday and uh, have been wrangling a toddler throughout the episode uh, fairly smoothly, I, I, I think, given that I've had to like breastfeed her at least twice while on air, uh, including as we speak. Um, and then also the loser is uh, me and my boobs, which are currently being dangled off by an extremely energetic eater. I know, but she, she's, you know, you're doing it for us and we appreciate it. Your new show is called Twist. So you've got the, 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 the TJF, the breastfeeding, the preparation for Twist tonight at the Adelaide Fringe Festival. It's a big afternoon for Alice it's Fraser. It's an enormous afternoon and a real privilege to be on air with you as ever, Richard. Well, we, we do appreciate it. And and Kirsty, who had a little uh, problem with uh, an accident today, which she's been very public about on, on Twitter, so I can tell you she... she, uh, she hello. <laughs> She hurt her knee, so uh, she uh, she had to go and get stitched up for that. But we were very grateful to Alice Fraser for coming to our rescue. And, of course, Tommy Dean, go and see him at the Riverina Comedy Club tonight at 7.30. And, uh, yeah, Patrick's new podcast is called Block Blunders and is out this week. Thank you for being part of Thank God It's Friday. Please thank this week's gang, Alice Fraser uh, from uh, Adelaide, Patrick Sunderland in Sydney and Tommy Dean in Wagga Wagga. Thanks for being part Part of it next week, Tommy Dean will be on, Gene Kitson and Beck Melrose. Music from Amanda Brown. She's got a new album out, harking back all those years to the go-betweens and all the things that she's done since. Until then, I'm Richard Goddard, and thank God it's Friday! Cocaine Woo! Hippopotamus. <laughs> 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 <laughs>